What is going on, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of The Unfounded Podcast. My name is Chris Turner. I'm your host, and I hope you are doing well. It is Saturday morning, actually, actually Saturday afternoon for me today. I uh, wasn't able to get one out to you yesterday, just didn't have anything coming to me. But this morning, uh, I do have a topic top of mind, and that is strength. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and roll into that. And uh, let's go ahead and pull up our definition, shall we? All right, so strength. We got two definitions here. Uh, first being the quality or state of being physically strong. Uh, that one is not necessarily uh, the focus that I want to, or what I want to focus on today. And instead, I want to focus on the second one. So the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force of pressure. So usually, when we think about strength, we think about the first definition, right? The quality or state of being physically strong. Uh, but Strength, at least in the way that I'm going to be talking about it in the next 30 minutes, I'm going to be referring to it as, as the, the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force of pressure. And that's because I think... Uh, strength is a weird one to try to cultivate. It's a weird virtue to try to cultivate because it, it, it um, the question of how comes up <laughs> it's like how do you cultivate inner strength right it's like everybody knows how to get stronger physically you, know, you go to the gym you lift some weights you run around for a while take some protein and you're gonna get bigger you're gonna get stronger but what is the equivalent the protein equivalent for you know in, internal strength you know you know the cell the soul strength that we we often are missing you know, throughout our life well um I think it's a hard question. It's a hard question to answer because there's a, I guess I'll tell you my interpretation of it. For me, my strength comes from understanding my potential. And I kind of think this might be where most, where strength originates, internal strength. It's something like believing in the limitless potential within yourself as a human being. All the possibilities that could come out of that thing. And knowing that the only way to, to possibly achieve that highest goal, that highest person is to you know, carry on, move forward through whatever you're going through. Now, um, like that's easy to talk about, right? But in the, in what, in the moment, you know, when you're sitting there, you're struggling and maybe you're struggling with an addiction or maybe you're struggling, uh, with a romantic situation that you don't know how to get out of or don't know how to take the next level or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Anything that requires that kind of internal strength and courage, right? Courage is another good word to bring up in this context. Let's actually define that too. Courage. I like that. Courage. Definition. The ability to do something that frightens one. All right. So we've talked about fear before as well, right? This right here is a strength in the face of pain or grief. So... Courage is a form of strength. But I think courage, the way that you cultivate courage in yourself is to 
choose the path that is thorny, in a sense, right? In order to become more courageous, you have to take a leap of faith. You have to be courageous to begin with, right? It doesn't come out of nothing. And the reason I'm going on the courage route, or or talking about courage a little bit, is because I think it, it might be critical to developing your own internal strength. You have to have courage, right? There's things that you have to have to be a strong individual. And courage is one of them. And how do you cultivate courage? Well, you, you choose the path that's dangerous. Because what that will show you is you do have the tools, the ability to go through it. Even if it's painful and, it's, and it entails a lot of suffering, at least you know you come out at the end. And just the fact of choosing that path makes you courageous instantaneously, right? And then what requires is determination, reaffirming that courage every step, right, that you take down that path. It's almost like every single step you take in life, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're reaffirming affirming your decision. <clears throat> That's why the old saying, one foot in front of the other, kind of holds true. Is the almost the best way to think about things, especially when you get into a dark place, you get into a really rough, hard place, you know, you don't know how to get out of, is to just focus on the simplest act, which is usually just one foot in front of the other, right? Like, do the things that you know you have control over, control the things that you can control, and then place faith or trust in whatever the outcome is going to be, right? Because you recognize that you're almost controlless in that situation. And so all you do is control what you can and then hope, pray, if you want to use another term, or, or, or have faith or trust in that, that that will be enough to get you through the darkness into the light again. And placing yourself, you know, the future of yourself in the unknown and trusting in it, trusting in your actions being enough to get you through to the other side. Now, I kind of want to go back to strength for a second as well. Because I think, you know, as you start going down more of those kind of thorny roads, those thorny paths, and these can be small, right? When I talk about like choosing the hard path, like what I mean is like, it can be something like, we've all been in situations where you're talking to someone and they ask you a question. I was just in the situation the other day, right? And and it's this is very hard <laughs> to overcome. But I was in a situation where I was at, you know, one of my jobs and we were doing a training. And, you know, the question came, was asked by one of the managers, like, how, do you think this training was valuable? Do you think it was good? And immediately before even thinking, my like head started to nod and I was like, oh yeah, of course. Yes, yes, yes. But as I'm doing this, I'm thinking in my head, why, why are you saying that? <laughs> you don't believe that? <laughs> you know what I mean? There was some value to it, but I was literally just thinking before that this was a waste of my time. Right. And so what did I do? I just lied. <laughs> you know, I just lied to kind of. I don't know, 
in, 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 in your mind when you're doing that, you're doing it because you're trying to, you're, you're saying I'm protecting the person from hurt, right? I don't want them to feel bad, <laughs> but you're not doing that. You're protecting yourself from the possibility that they're going to react wrong to your judgment. That's what you're doing. And so you don't say the thing that you need to say. And the reason I bring that up is that's an example of the thorny path that I just avoided by just defaulting to yes, haha, of course. Now I could have been honest and open because the individual that was asking me is a very open, like approachable person. And I could have been on, they were really looking for honesty. They were looking for exactly what I didn't give them. Right. And that is, that's an example that path, you know, saying the honest truth, even though it puts you in a dangerous position, that is an example of the thorny path I'm talking about. That's the example of cultivating the courage I'm talking about. You know, that's an example of, I, I think that's part of the process of becoming a strong person internally as well. It's operating not based on the stimulus you see out in the world, but based on what you feel is true internally. And I think that, that this is, this also gets, you know, that's the only way to operate in some sense, if you want to operate effectively and not play the ego game. But I brought that up because I thought it was a good little example, right? And I'm sure you have encountered a similar example in your life at some point, right? Where you, you're, you're going around and you, you, <laughs> you know, somebody asks you a question and you just don't have the heart to tell them, you know? And you, we actually all know examples of these types of people. You know, you ever wonder how somebody like gets on a show like American Idol? Like, how do they get there? <laughs> you know what I mean? When they're absolutely horrible, they get on national television in a singing competition and they're so bad, you don't, you have no idea how they got there to begin with. How does that happen? Have you ever thought about that? Like, how does somebody get to the, and, and actually think they're good? You know what I mean? Get all the way up there and think they're actually going to be the American Idol. How does that happen? A lot of people doing exactly what I just told you. The situation I just did. A lot of people not having the heart to tell them exactly what they need to hear. Not having the strength or the courage to give them that honest feedback. Because what are you doing if you do that to them? Because why have why have people not done that? <laughs> let's, let's take this I this person I'm talking about, this, you know, arbitrary figure, this this American Idol wannabe. And, you know, how, how, how would they react? You know, if, if you have a person here that, that truly has gone their whole life thinking they're a good singer, nobody has told them they aren't. You encounter this person like a month or two before they're about to go to American Idol and they sing for you and you have to, <laughs> right? And you're like, oh my God, that's bad, right? That's really bad. What do I, what do I do with this? You know, think about those two situations, telling the truth, hey, I don't think you have a very good voice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And dealing with the consequences in that situation. Person is probably going to completely disown you and shame you and say, well, everybody else tells me that I'm the best singer in the world. And it's like, well, that's everybody else's problem because they're liars. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm going to be honest with you because I care about you as a person. I actually don't want you to make yourself look like a fool up on stage. So I'm going to tell you, be honest with you. You know? Or you could go the other route and do exactly what everybody else has done their entire life and tell them exactly what they want to hear. And then what you proceed to have is somebody get absolutely crushed and dismantled on national television in front of the largest audience possible. And you were the Pied Piper that led them there. <laughs> you and everybody else. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's relevant. 
because it speaks of strength and courage those situations and i think it's actually a really good way those little situations are good ways to cultivate these kind of virtues inside of each of us find those little situations that you the ways that you lie in little ways every single day everybody does you know what i mean we constantly tell ourselves these things these lies we lie to ourselves over and over again about lying we lie about lying we lie say we don't lie <laughs> we lie about lying which is oh my goodness is a if that isn't lunacy, I don't know what is. But we're all liars. Habitual liars. We lie every day in very, very small ways. We lie to ourselves. We lie to the people around us. Um, and we do it with this kind of false image of a hero in our heads. We're doing it to save other people from the pain that they could experience if we were only honest with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, what a hero you are. But you're not, you know what I mean? You're protecting yourself. And that's why it's a, it's a pitiful stance to, to take up is because you're actually being a coward in that you're hiding. You're not actually being courageous. You're not being st- strong by speaking your mind, as many people like to say it. Like, you know, the assholes out there that are just like, I'm brutally, like, I'm brutally honest, but they don't actually speak truth. They just like do it to hurt people. You know what I mean? And that's not, you can go that opposite way as well. You can, you can be somebody that just runs around and hurts people because they feel powerful doing it you know what i mean they feel they they get they get entertainment out of tearing other people down and you can also become that kind of monster as well you'd be careful but in general i think it's it's always good to as long as you're speaking from a place of love from a place of concern like i was just saying i'm i'm not telling that that girl or that guy hey you're a bad singer because i want you to feel bad i'm telling you hey you're not a very good singer so you don't go embarrass yourself you know what i mean because you don't have another perspective. I'm the only other one. I'm looking from the outside. I'm the only one that can judge, you know, with any reasonable sense whether you're going to be good or not. And I'm telling you no. So don't go do that. But it's not because I don't, I want you to feel bad. It's because I want you to, you know, avoid the suffering. Most of the time people are going to choose it anyway. (laughs) You know what I mean? In that situation, that person's probably not going to avoid going to American Idol after that. They're going to need to be vindicated. (laughs) or torn down on national television. But it's kind of besides the point. Your role in any of these situations is to speak your truth, to be honest, to have strength, to have courage. I think you cultivate courage and strength through these little situations, being honest with people every day, being honest about who you are, what you want. I think another way you can cultivate the idea of strength is kind of by implementing some of the ideas we've been talking about before. Um, I was talking about leadership in last episode uh, and Commander McRaven, you know, if you, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that video I posted on my Facebook page, but it's a really interesting video. He talks about perseverance in that a lot. You know, Navy SEAL is one of the hardest schools you can ever go through, buds training. And, One of the things he says in there as well in that video is that, you know, most most struggle is mental. And that is 100% correct. I learned this in football when I was in high school, and it was confirmed when I was in the military, going through some similar but not as extreme situations uh, as, as what Commander McRaven was talking about. But what you'll find when you, get your, when you put yourself into a position where you're pulled or stretched thin, whether that's physically or mentally or both, usually it's a mixture of both, where it's the most, this is the most effective and displayed the, is the most obvious. But 
When you're put into an extremely physical situation, what you realize in an extremely demanding situation is that your mind is what controls almost all of that. That you can push your body past the point where you think there is, you know, it, it can be pushed. And you can continually do that. There's almost like a limitless quality to how far you can push yourself. You can see this in mountain climbers and bodybuilders. You can see this in any any kind of any if you're looking physically, you can see this in any kind of sport. Essentially, um, <clears throat> it is a mental game. There's a reason for that saying, right? It's like ninety percent mental. Um, I think one of the ways you cultivate internal strength is actually through external exertion. In a weird way. So maybe that definition that we started out with, the quality or state of being physically strong, maybe those are linked there with the second one, the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force of pressure. You know, there's something to actually making yourself stronger physically that kind of connects with internal strength because the internal strength comes from will. Nietzsche talks about will to power a lot. I don't know if you've ever listened to Nietzsche or any uh, read any of his books. <clears throat> But he talks about this idea of will to power, you know, translating what you desire into being in the world. And I think that is a that is actually a skill you have to cultivate will to power. And <clears throat> there's a translation that happens that you have to cultivate. And I think partially how you translate this strength in, in, in incorporate it into yourself is one by exerting yourself physically by testing those limits, those physical limits, where you think you can't go any further, you push past that. It's a way of choosing the authority road that I was talking about, right? You force yourself, you know, go do push-ups until you can't do them anymore and then do more, you know what I mean? And do more and show yourself, because what you do is you're demonstrating in your mind, oh, like that feeling isn't actually the end. That feeling isn't, you know, it's not like the stop sign saying, no, you can't go any further. It's this, it's more like you should like, flip it in your head being like, Hey, when you start to feel the pain, it's like, Oh yes, it's working. It's exactly where I need to be <clears throat> I, pushing. Yes. I need to push the harder it gets, the harder I push kind of a thing. I get strong. It's the idea of flipping it. Like I get stronger as things get harder. Right. <clears throat> and the way you cultivate that idea is by going and physically exerting yourself. Because it, it happens slowly, but that is exactly what happens. You go in there every day, you lift a weight. It's heavy. It hurts, but you push through it. And you get to the point where you can't do it anymore, and then you do a little bit more. And then you put that down, and you come back a week later, and you come back, and you do that same amount of weight with the same kind of effort, and it's easier. You got stronger. You pushed through that pain. You literally imbued your muscle with more strength. You can do the exact same thing with your spirit, with your soul, with the self. You can imbue it with strength. By choosing the thorny, the thorny path, the thorny path in the physical world is like that. Like it's what I'm saying is like the the, the workout. It's the you know the physical exertion. <clears throat> the thorny path in the spiritual sense and the more internal sense is the first example I gave you. You know the girl that couldn't sing very well because it takes strength for you to be honest with them and to tell them what they need to hear. There's also some audacity in your <laughs> in, in you thinking that you know what they need to hear. But there's truth in your perception, right? There's something true simply about your ability to observe and to share that observation with other people. 
filtering it through the ego and saying like, hey, maybe this will hurt that person or maybe maybe this will make them feel self-conscious. So I'm going to save them from that self-consciousness that I can imbue in them. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hold back this idea. That filtering is what needs to stop. I talked about that in the filtering episode, right? You have to get that filter out, out of the way and just let your thought, thoughts flow because, you know, what you'll realize is that is actually more productive, you know, I don't, you can take any kind of situation. If you're, if you're struggling with like a, maybe a romantic situation, you know, even an argument with your partner for a while and you haven't been able to come, you know, you know, to come to any kind of common ground, you probably haven't said something you needed to say. And they probably haven't said something they need to say too. That's why you're at an impasse. You know, you're holding something back. <laughs> so there's nothing to say. You know what I mean? It, you have to unfilter yourself. But it's like, why would you hold back? Why would you hold back from a conversation? If you know that there's something that needs to be said, but you're holding back, why? Well, because you're playing this ego game, you know? You're filtering all of those ideas, those thoughts, those things that, you know, naturally are coming to you. And like the reason they're in your head is because you need to say them. But you filter it through your ego and it says like, your, your ego will tell you, no, 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 no. That's gonna make them feel bad. Wait, it'll set yourself up, yourself up, up as the hero. It'll justify your, your cowardice in a sense. Your ego will justify your cowardice and turn it into heroism. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll say like, no, 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 you're not being a coward. You're being a hero. You're saving them from themselves. They don't need to hear all the harshness that you're about to imbue on them. You know what I mean? You're gonna save them from the pain, from their misjudgment, from their lack of perception, all this kind of stuff, right? It's a very egotistical place to be if you're filtering all of your thoughts constantly. This is a good example of exactly why the ego is a problem. It does this in everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your ego will constantly try to manipulate the things that you say, keep you from saying the things you need to say, and only allow you to say the things that you don't believe, the things that are lies, the things that represent the image, the false image of yourself, not the real image of yourself. Anyway. <laughs> Little tangent right um i like that word by the way another tan it's a tangent to a tangent tangent it's a good word <laughs> um i like words anyway um but that that idea is you know you have to you have to allow yourself to speak your mind and in doing that you're going to bring in a lot of pain initially onto yourself especially if you've been doing this for a while if you've been filtering or holding back if you haven't been cultivating strength and, and, and courage uh, internally right? or focusing on it as because you actually have to do you have to focus on it like you'd focus on a job you know it's going to be painful at first <laughs> because you're you know there's going to be a lot of things it's going to you'll surprise people I guess is what I'm trying to say if you apply this in your life if you unfilter yourself and you say the things you think you need to say You might get some reactions that you don't like. Probably will. Probably going to get some very defensive reactions. Because a lot of people... The other, you have to understand that other people are playing the same game you're playing. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're playing the ego game too. They're doing the filtering thing too. You know, they're, do, they're doing all that same shit. And so if you all of a sudden just out with like this this truth it's gonna it's gonna appear very harsh and they're probably gonna filter it through the ego and say like oh man what an asshole you didn't protect me from that stuff you just thought it was okay for you to say and speak your mind Ooh, how dare you <laughs> you know what i mean and they'll get all defensive but then what they'll realize is you're right you can't deny truth and so they might like scream and mind and piss and moan and all that kind of stuff and pout and whatever the hell it is but 
you spoke truth, so it doesn't really matter. They can do what they want. They can suffer in silence if they want, you know. Because all they need to do is the exact same thing to you. They need to be honest and open and and, 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 and unfiltered with you as well. That's courage, man. To show exactly what you think, who you are. I think it's so funny that we play this game. We play this game like we're hide, like we're all hiding from each other. We're all we're all wearing masks, right? We, in some ways, we are all the actor. Every single person is an actor, and we wear these masks. It's like every day is Halloween. <laughs> you know, nobody wants you to see who they really are. You know, like what is really deep down below, what they're really thinking. It's the whole reason for comedy's existence. Period. The whole reason you find things funny is because there's people that are willing to say the things you don't want to say. And it's the things that everybody else doesn't want to say too. And so when that one person says it, everybody laughs because everybody is thinking it and everybody knows it at the same time. But all of you are cowards and don't want to say it. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's funny. I just laugh. It's funny because of it. Because of how stupid this game is we're playing, all of us, every single day. It is hilarious that we all think we're going to trick each other into believing that we're something other than we are. The secret is, people, we are all the exact same damn thing. Literally. I said that very weird. Literally. I was just listening to, uh, what is it, Brian Green, I think is his name? It was a Joe Rogan podcast the other day. Really interesting, really interesting podcast. You guys should listen to it if you uh, if you have the time. Um, <clears throat> anyway, they were talking about kind of everything under the sun, right? Like, but it was mainly focused on it was the scientific viewpoint. You know, it was this perspective that I've been describing or described a little earlier on in the episodes, in the first second episodes, that I think has kind of infected or infiltrated or taken over. It's become a panacea. We've 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 the only way we view the world is through the scientific lens. And I think that episode did a stunning job of illustrating exactly what I'm talking about. I haven't finished it yet, so I don't want to talk about it too much. And I don't want to kind of, I I don't like arguing against what people say in podcasts on my podcast, because I think that it doesn't give them a chance to defend themselves. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. Right. Um, But I do want to talk about, I I do want to bring it up a little bit because like I said, it's a very good example of what I'm talking about. This, um, this idea that 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 everything that we that, that the world is is somehow it's this idea that there's one way to view the world there's one perspective and that this internal process that i'm talking about doesn't exist it's like the only thing that exists is the ego in a sense it's it He talked. They, they brought up the idea that I was talking about in the other ep, uh, an episode previous. You know, when I talked about Carl Sagan, you know, describing everything as, as stardust. Joe Rogan brought up that same point, and um, <clears throat> Brian Green, Green was talking about it. And I think it, let me double check his name real quick. I don't want to say the wrong name, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, Brian Green. Um, <clears throat> Just lost my train of thought doing that. Um, so yeah, Brian, uh, they, they started talking about Carl Sagan's quote, you know, everything is, is, is stardust. And 
some of the ideas they were talking about, they're talking about the Big Bang and what happened, what could have happened before the Big Bang and all this kind of stuff. And one thing I found interesting, this is something that always happens whenever you get into a deep scientific talk with anyone, especially somebody that's very informed on the scientific process, more, more so than I am, right? right? <clears throat> on the scientific perspective, I mean. What do you, what you find is there's a, there's an ability to explain the tangible world. So it's like, you can get to this point where you can describe everything up to a point. And that point varies throughout history. It depends you know, there's different, you know, we've, we've been able to observe up to a certain point throughout history, almost as like our resolution has increased as we've gotten more technologically advanced. So we've been able to look further back, right? But we've gotten to a point where we can almost look back as far as the physical world allows, which is in sense, the beginning of things, the big bang, right? Which is why we've been so stuck on this idea, this one single point. <clears throat> But what I find interesting about the scientific perspective is when it reaches the end point, that point, the Big Bang or whatever it is, it could be, you know, like another way, another end point would be um, <clears throat> if you're talking about consciousness, they were talking about consciousness, you know, and he was referring to like, you know, the fundamental particles of, of uh, quantum mechanics, like how could consciousness come out of these fundamental particles if there is nothing forming them at a base if they are the most fundamental thing how can something that is lifeless and unconscious by definition create consciousness by simply arranging it in a different way <clears throat> this is one of the this is one of the questions they, they pose this is also one of those endpoints i'm talking about it's similar to the big bang it's like you get to this point where it's like oh there's a brick wall what do i do there and and and, and you know that's exactly what joe asked brian right that's what he asked me he's like okay so what you know what, what's driving that and this is what I was this is what I was trying to explain in an earlier episodes is like what always happens is like well we have we have we think we have answers for that we have theories for that it's like okay you do let me hear what they are and what they'll pro proceed to tell you is something that is so loony there's no possible means of ever explaining it or proving it through the scientific perspective through the scientific method it's it, it becomes impossible it becomes like out of reach you, what you're going to prove through through scientific observation that there's multiple universes unlimited universes unlimited time me's because that's that's what a lot of these ideas these science scientific ideas are talking about these theories limitless universes unlimited versions of you unlimited versions of you in every scenario that has ever happened and will happen period let that let that sink in for a second that's how science is attempting to explain everything. It's limitless. So when you get to a point where you can't explain things with a scientific perspective, what do you do? You repeat the scientific method, even if you can't prove it. You see, what I'm it's like what you're, you're trying to do something with the wrong tool. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> and one of the things I found really funny is like Brian Green, I think, conceptualizes I again I don't like to do this I shouldn't do this because I don't want to put words in his mouth like he doesn't have a chance to defend himself but what it sounded like is I think Brian Greene conceptualizes perspective evolution in an evolutionary sense exactly I, I was I've, been, I've said before like if you think about scientific the scientific perspective scientific thought as the end of evolutionary thought that that let's say religious and philosophical thought were earlier forms of the same you know the same thing evolving and that science is the most evolved form of that then 
of course, you don't want to revert back to philosophy or, or religious thought to try to prove or to connect in any of the ideas that you've gleaned through science itself. But that's not how it works. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> Like I've said before, there's varying perspectives. There is no hierarchy, and it doesn't. I don't think perspective works in an evolutionary sense. It's not biologically based. You could take the perspective of a rock if you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could place yourself in the perspective of a rock. It doesn't have to be biologically based, right? So, like the, because you can imagine yourself there, right? So the 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 this idea that we need to eliminate certain types of thinking, spiritual and philosophical thinking, and we can just move on with scientific thought and that'll prove and be able to describe everything in the world, everything that's worthwhile describing, it'll prove it. You're proving yourself wrong and you're looking stupid doing it. I hope you guys understand. I don't know why this went this direction because it's supposed to be about strength and courage, but I think why I brought up this in, in that when I was talking about strength and courage is let me see if I can figure out why I brought that up in that context. It's this need to defend yourself wrong and you're looking stupid doing it. I hope you guys understand. I don't know why this went this direction because it's supposed to be about strength and courage. But I think why I brought up this in, in that when I was talking about strength and courage is. Let me see if I can figure out why I brought that up in that context. It's this need to define everything as solvable. It's the inability to place trust and faith in anything else but yourself. It's a selfishness that is that is terrifying me. That I heard over and over again. Like this individual seems absolutely brilliant, Brian Green. He seems like a great, great person. I really enjoyed the talk itself. But this perspective is what's scaring me. Because it it is so one-sided and it's so blind. We need to have the strength and the courage to, to place faith in something else, to place trust in something else bigger than us. The idea of the Big Bang, if you have something that we are within, how could we ever observe something that created it externally? Logically, you can't. So the scientific method falls apart there. How can you apply something that is based in observation when there is no way to actively observe it? What you're doing is applying a method that doesn't work in a realm where it isn't valid. <laughs> like, you know, and, and that's why every single one of these theories, these quantum theories, even the ones that are based in mathematics seem loony. You're yourself wrong and you're looking stupid doing it. I hope you guys understand. I don't know why this went this direction because it's supposed to be about strength and courage. But I think why I brought up this in, in that when I was talking about strength and courage is... Let me see if I can figure out why I brought that up in that context. It's this need to define everything as solvable. It's the inability to place trust and faith in anything else but yourself. It's a selfishness that is that is terrifying me. That I heard over and over again. Like, this individual seems absolutely brilliant. Brian Green. He seems like a great, great person. 
I really enjoyed the talk itself. But this perspective is what's scaring me because it, it is so one-sided and it's so blind. We need to have the strength and the courage to, to place faith in something else, to place trust in something else bigger than us. The idea of the Big Bang, if you have something that we are within, how could we ever observe something that created it externally? Logically, you can't. So the scientific method falls apart there. How can you apply something that is based in observation when there is no way to actively observe it? What you're doing is applying a method that doesn't work in a realm where it isn't valid. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and, and that's why every single one of these theories, these quantum theories, even the ones that are based in mathematics seem loony. Putting yourself wrong and you're looking stupid doing it. I hope you guys understand. I don't know why this went this direction because it's supposed to be about strength and courage. But I think why I brought up this in, in that when I was talking about strength and courage is. Let me see if I can figure out why I brought that up in that context. It's this need to define everything as solvable. It's the inability to place trust and faith in anything else but yourself. It's a selfishness that is that is terrifying me. That I heard over and over again. Like this individual seems absolutely brilliant, Brian Green. He seems like a great, great person. I really enjoyed the talk itself. But this perspective is what's scaring me. Because it it is so one-sided and it's so blind. We need to have the strength and the courage to, to place faith in something else, to place trust in something else bigger than us. The idea of the Big Bang, if you have something that we are within, how could we ever observe something that created it externally? Logically, you can't. So the scientific method falls apart there. How can you apply something that is based in observation when there is no way to actively observe it? What you're doing is applying a method that doesn't work in a realm where it isn't valid. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's why every single one of these theories, these quantum theories, even the ones...